On behalf of all of us at Winning at Home, greetings. In March, when I was a kid, I loved March because I always thought of it as a time when the winds blew strong. Growing up in South Carolina, I'm not sure why, and maybe it's true everywhere, March is always windy, but especially where I live, near the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, it would get really windy, and I loved making paper kites. <laughs> I know that may sound crazy to some of you, but seriously, I could make a paper kite out of straw. Did it all the way up through my teen years. And I would make a paper kite out of straw, and you can't believe how high that thing would fly. I still am amazed as I look back. I need to do that again. Because that's a pretty cool thing I did when I was a kid, and I forgot about it till I started thinking about the wind blowing. And so I trust as the winds are blowing through your life and through your family life, you too are trying to fly the kites that the Lord has given you, keeping your family all on the same path. And so today, I'm going to bring you a little message about teenage life. I was asked to specifically speak to this issue, and I sure enjoyed putting some time together. As an old youth pastor, uh, putting some time together and working toward a teen message was a lot of fun for me. And I want to share the message I shared about this with you. I believe that teens in our day are facing some challenging times, but I believe the foundations of God's Word and God's teaching are just always there. They do not change. And so maybe this is a CD. After you listen to it, you pass along to some teen you know, maybe your kids, maybe some other kids, nieces and nephews. But just think about who might benefit from this, starting with hopefully you. Open your heart today to what God would have to say as I share this little message about normal teen life and how God can help guide us through it. Today, I'm specifically asked to speak to teenagers, so I want all of you to feel connected and to be a part of this service, but I'm going to be speaking to those of you who are in middle school and high school, and I want to talk to you just about your life. You know, my style is just to share real life with you, and that's what I'm going to seek to do. The Lord has uh, laid a little message on my heart that I think will make an impact if you will open your heart to him. So students, I start out by just saying, as I think about your life, I want to use this little illustration to get it started. I think about if this represented your life. I got some solution worked up in here. We got a little experiment we're going to do here together. But I have this solution that as I swirl it like this, I think about how you must sometimes feel this way. You're in a society that puts a lot of pressure on you, social media pressure. See, when I was a teenager, I would leave school and go home, and I really didn't have to think about my friends unless I wanted to. But in your world, they're there all the time. With technology, you never leave them. So if you get bullied at school, you get bullied at home. It can follow you right home. And so your world some days is just spinning. And then if you got issues with your parents, like, oh my goodness, now I got this. And your life feels like a mixed up mess. If you feel that way this morning, I would tell you, you're pretty normal. Don't think you're weird. Don't think that no one relates. You're pretty normal. And what I want to do today is suggest to you that there is an ingredient that you can put in your life, and I'm going to call it the Holy Spirit. And, and we'll, we'll just talk about Jesus in your life. Now, you can't be Jesus in a bottle. I get that. But I want you to imagine that you today are kind of doing life on your own. You're your own mixture, your own decisions. You're doing whatever you want to do. I invite you today to consider what would it mean if you really poured the power of Jesus into your life. For sake of illustration, I'm going to show you. I want to challenge you to do that because I believe if you'll do it, you can really have an impact for him. Yeah, I'm not a chemist, but they gave me a good idea. It works. 
And I want to tell you, see, right, it's called elephant toothpaste. It continues to grow. It continues to have an impact. What I want to do is tell you, instead of being a swirly, get yourself honoring the Lord by the way you live. And today I want to talk about doing, how do you do that? Not just feel like you're a bunch of mixture, but actually have an impact. And I want to do that by giving you the title of the message. The message today I'm calling, We Are All Witnesses. We all witness stuff all the time. For example, if I said to you today, hey, did y'all like that? It's about 80 degrees outside when you walked in. You would say to me, what? No, it wasn't. It was 40 degrees and cloudy. What did you see that I didn't see? We all witness what the weather is like today. We're witnesses. Uh, when you leave here today, if you try to explain to somebody what happened here on the stage, you'd be like, yeah, this thing, it went up or whatever. And somebody else, they wouldn't get it because they weren't here. They didn't see it. But you know it shot up. You saw it. You, I haven't heard a few people, oh, I mean, it was kind of impressive. <laughs> and we witnessed it. In our society, there's a guy that has a shirt that says, we are all witnesses, uh, LeBron James. He says, witness my greatness. He's an amazing basketball player. Not as good as Jordan, but he's really good. I did that on purpose. He's really good. And when you see him play, you say, oh my goodness, that guy, he's, he's powerful. He is gifted. He is amazing. And LeBron says, y'all got to witness me, man. And for some reason, sometimes through the teenage years and even in adult years, we look at that and go, yeah, LeBron, that's all. He, he is a mega, he is making an impact. I say to you today, students who are here, you also are making an impact. Your name may not be on a shirt. You may not say we are all witnesses. But I'm witnessing your life. Your parents are witnessing your, witnessing your life. Your friends are witnessing your life, and I'm just asking you the question today, what are they witnessing? If today your life were brought up here and portrayed out, what, what is the witness? Of, what are you about? What do people think when they think of you? What, what legacy are you leaving that will matter? As we look at the life of LeBron James, hey, bless him, he's a great basketball player, but when he's done playing basketball, it's over. Ba basketball may define kind of who he was, but in the long term, what was he really like? What kind of dad was LeBron? What kind of man was LeBron? We don't know because we're not in his house, but his family is a witness to it. And I want to tell you today, students who are here, your life is being witnessed. And I want to talk to you about what that looks like. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, there is the story of all the people whose life throughout history we have witnessed, stories that got passed on, people like Noah, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They're all right in there. And when you think about the life they lived, for example, if you're here and you've never even gone to church, when I say Noah and the flood, you know what I'm talking about because it got passed on throughout history. And today I want to suggest to you that your life is a witness too. Hebrews chapter 12, watch the verse, starts like this. It's very simple. Therefore, we just talked about chapter 11, Hebrews 12. Therefore, because of all those witnesses, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us. My mom passed away three years ago. My mom is a witness to my life. 
We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, when I was preparing this message um, and I was putting it all together, I felt like the Lord really laid on my heart to stop and talk about this a lot. So I'm going to slow down in my message and I'm going to show you an illustration of what happens to us in life. Teens here, none of you set out to get yourself in the spot some of you are already in. And trust me, your parents who are listening right now, they didn't either. But life has a way of entangling you. Can I get an amen from somebody over 60? It just happens. You would look at your parents and you would go, man, they don't, they don't understand my life. You're listening to somebody called Post Malone. They, don't, they think that's their mailman. They don't understand your world. I get it. I get it. They don't understand your music. They don't understand your culture. They don't, but they do understand what it means to be entangled. Because no matter 13 or 80, life entangles you. I got a little fishnet here on stage to kind of show you what I mean. We, we sometimes, uh, we don't wake up in the morning to set out to mess our life up, but sometimes we make decisions and, and we start getting ourselves trapped in this net of life. Sometimes by choice, sometimes not by choice. And it slowly begins to creep up on us. In fact, it gets to a point you feel like you're almost in the net. I'll try to find a little hole so I can put my face in. This is what I want you to see. We end up getting like right here. And, and when I put this on, I, I really felt like the Lord said, walk around like that and let them look at you because this is the way a lot of people feel all the time. And when you get in this spot, you feel like you can't get out. Uh, teens who are here, you already feel like, um, I, I can't really talk to my parents about this. My kids have felt this. I know they have. Looking back now, they're adults and they tell me, I, was tra I, I, I didn't feel like I could come to you. And none of us parents in the room want this for our children, but it's life. And, and, and when you've lived this way for a while, you start to feel depressed. Can even feel suicidal. Because life has a way of entangling us. And this is what we feel. In fact, this morning, this is exactly how you feel. And you're like, man, that's, that's my life right there. There's somebody, teenagers, let me talk just a second to the adults. There are 80-year-olds this morning feel this way. And I want to acknowledge that this is real. I'm not one of those preachers that says, oh, yeah, just throw it out. It's fine. Get out. Quit doing that to yourself. Depression is real. Thoughts can damage us. And it is a process to overcome this. And it begins with, first of all, acknowledging I'm an entangled mess. I got issues. I got stuff I don't know how to deal with. The key is, where do you run when you feel like this? Most people in our society, when they feel like this, run to something that masks it. A drug, alcohol addictions, anything we can find. We run to it because it helps us go, oh, it didn't feel like the net was there for a couple of minutes. I invite you this morning to understand that Jesus says, if you will run to me, I will help you begin to untangle the stuff in your life. Some people seem to throw it off pretty quickly. Others of us, it takes a while. 
Because it feels like even when I throw, I'm going to get that thing off me. I'm going to get off of me. But one little thing, just one little, just one little loop hangs on. And eventually, it gets back on us again. This is called life. In Scripture, we're, we talk sometimes about being entirely sanctified, totally like Jesus. Very few of us in this room would feel like, I, I'm standing here as a preacher telling you, I feel this way most of the time. There's just these little tangling things of life that have a way of getting on one finger and then creeping up on the other one. And, and it's a daily decision, students. It's a daily decision to say, I'm going to put aside that net. It's a daily decision. And I want to show you some of the things that today you need to watch your life for because they'll grab you. I, I want to, they all start with P. I'm just going to throw some of them up. They're, I call them the killer P's. They're, they're little things that will come and get you. The first one is this. It's going to come up on the screen. The first one is this, peer pressure. It's, oh, I've been hearing you people talk about that my whole life. Right. It starts in preschool. And it doesn't stop until you die. Teenagers, we talk to you a lot about peer pressure, and the reason we do is because if you can get a grip on it through your teen years, you'll be able to handle it better when you're an adult because the adults in this room, they won't say it out loud. You associate peer pressure with teenage, but peer pressure is adult stuff too. It's why some adults buy houses in neighborhoods they can't afford. Your parents are doing that because they want to fit in. It's life. And it can entangle you. It can get you. It can put its little antennas on you, and it's hard to overcome. And we all have it. I have it too. I realize, you know, I, I get it. Students who are here today, you look up on this stage, and I remember when I was 13, 14, 15, I'm, I'm 57 now. When I saw people who looked like me, I just assumed they were very near death. I mean, they look really old, and it's, it's pretty much over for that guy. He's got a couple more good rounds in him, then it's over. So I get that, but I want to tell you, I remember being a teenager pretty clearly. I have a very good memory. I remember my life. I remember the peer pressure. I remember the day that I wanted to really screw my life up. And the Lord protected me that day because a peer pressure almost got me and took my life away from me. It's part of the deal. And to stand alone and to say, I'm going to make a mark, I'm going to spew my toothpaste up, I'm going to do the mark for Christ, it's hard to do. It's a lot easier to go, I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to go, hey, man, you're awesome. You're the best. We're going to make a T-shirt after you. Everybody, we all like accolades. We can all say we don't, but we do. And sometimes the peer pressure of life. And here's what I'm saying. Acknowledge it if you struggle with it. Just say, man, I do. I do struggle with that. Acknowledge it. Another killer P that I think Satan uses is pride. Pride. Students in here, if you're really good at something, make sure you understand you can fine tune your gifts. You can grow in areas. You can be successful in areas. But you got to understand, God gave you that gift. That's not yours. I'll use LeBron as an example. LeBron James was gifted with a body that is amazing for basketball. Now, he's fine-tuned. He's worked at it. He gets himself in shape. But I'm sorry, I wasn't given his body. God said, LeBron, I'm going to bless you with this body. 
what are you going to do with it? I remember when I had the chance to, I met LeBron once in a hotel, I didn't talk to him, but I did with Blake Griffin, who plays for the Clippers, a very incredible athlete. And I remember being in a hotel room with him. I happened to have a mutual friend and I was in the hotel with him. And he didn't know I was a preacher and we're sitting across. He was on one side of the room, I was on the other, but just a little hotel room, two beds. And I said, yo, Blake, Blake Griffin. I said, yo, Blake, I have a question for you, man. Where'd your gift come from? And he said, God gave me my body and God gave me this gift to play basketball. I was like, dude, you don't even know I'm a preacher. Great answer. I said, because I was wondering if you thought it was all you. He said, oh no, man, God gave me this body and I have to, I have to do the best I can with it. So good. Today, some of you have a mind that is amazing. You made like straight A's. You went on to college. You graduated summa Hapkuma. You did awesome. You're amazing. You're gifted. And you sometimes look at people like me who made straight C's and you go, what's this problem, man? I don't have your mind. Your gift, God gave you that. You say, no, you could learn it. No, I can't. My wife can do algebra. I have sat with her and tried. I don't get it. A's and Z's equaling Q's craziness. Her mind gets it. She's more intelligent than me. Good. It's a gift from God. She's fine-tuned it. She taught it. That's the effort that we as people can put in, but the giftedness is from God. I have this little ability to speak. And I remember when I first felt called to be a preacher, I, I'd never spoken. And I felt the Lord calling me to do this. I said to my wife, I, I feel called to be preacher. And she said, you can't speak? That's what she said to me. It's very encouraging. <laughs> but it was true. I couldn't. I didn't know I could. And I started speaking I'm like, wow, this is going pretty good. Even hers, I'd get done preaching. She'd go, that's shocking. I mean, it, it was better than we thought. And I want, I want to just tell you students something today, okay? I make a living speaking. God has given me this ability to, to communicate. God gave it to me. Look, he could take it away today. I could literally right now never speak again if he chose to take my vocal cords. It's not my gift. It's his gift to me. I have to honor him with it. Now, I want to talk specifically to something that happens in high school. We can deny this. We can act like it's not true. There's so many things in our society that are just true. We just don't like to talk about it. And I'm going to face one of them. In high school, I'm sorry, how you look matters. Being pretty matters. It's just, we can say it doesn't, but it, it gets you this, it gets you this, it gets you relationships, it gets you next. It just is, we can act like it's not true, but it's true. In fact, I would say for everybody in here, you can remember going back to high school, you were in high school, you are there now. Even those of us that are 40, 50, 30, we can remember in high school who the attractive ones were because they got the accolades. And what can happen with that is pride can creep in like, I'm really pretty. I get what I want because of my looks. And I got, I, I just want high schoolers in here to know, it fades. <laughs> the malls, the malls are built for you. I walked through Rivertown Crossing the other day. They don't have a lot of stores for me. They got pretzel stuff, but they don't have a lot of stores. <laughs> the stores are made for you teenagers. Victoria's Secret, that girl in the front, the one with the picture, she's not 80. She looks like she's like 14 because they want you to come in. 
because you are who they're after. And what can happen when you're going through the teen years is all of a sudden looks become most important. And it fades. And if you build your life on that, you become prideful about your looks. I was watching the U.S. Open. It's tennis. I know the U.S. Open in several sports, golf and stuff. But there's a U.S. Open tennis match. And I'm not a big tennis player. I'm not, but I like to play a little. And then I watch the, you know, championships. I like to watch the Williams sisters. They're very incredible athletes. And I was watching one of the women's finals, and it was, um, Venus was playing. I'm, I'm on eBay, just kind of sitting in my living room, and I got, the, got that on in the background. And, and I'm watching it, and all of a sudden on my TV, you know how during a sports event sometimes the cameras will shoot, you just catch somebody in the stands in between a point or something. So they, and they use, I mean, let's, let's just face this again. When they do go to ladies in the stands, who do they go to? The, prettier lady they do we, we can act like it's not true but you know what happens you guys are not silly you know I'm right and the cameras had zoomed in on these two girls and I'm I'm sitting in my living room watching okay and then and then this next moment ensues I'm watching the game I'm watching the U.S. Open all of a sudden they zoomed these two girls in the stands and these girls are really into their looks especially when you watch, don't roll it yet but when you watch the video the girl on the right she's just so into her looks and it, it was so funny to me that I, I have a DVR, I backed it up and I recorded it with my phone. I stopped, it was recorded on my phone. And then I sent it to my assistant and said, save this because I'm going to use this in a sermon. And so I want you to see, I'm, I'm sitting in my living room watching a match like you guys would be and the following thing happens. I want you just to see because it shows how we are about ourselves in pride. So roll the video, these two girls, you'll see a little bit of the U.S. open and then it'll go right to that. Okay, here they are in the stands. Uh-huh, she's really into herself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh. And it just did that, and then all of a sudden it goes right back to the game. <laughs> now, you know those girls were getting texts right away. Hey, babe, you were just on TV. And, and what, they, weren't, they weren't focused on the match. And, and we don't like to admit this, but sometimes pride can creep into our life. Hey, you guys know how good of a preacher I am? <laughs> I'm the best car salesman there is. I, we, we get into our, we, we begin to think, we begin to think we are it. All of a sudden, we've got our own T-shirt. See, what LeBron can't see is in his T-shirt, what I see is T-shirt, what I say is he's raising his hands and should be saying, I praise you, Father, because you've given me this ability. And I'm asking you as students, are you building your life on yourself? Because if you build in your life on yourself, it is going to crash. The third P I want to throw up at you is just simply this, uh, poor counsel. So here's how I want to get at this. Students who are in here, who do you go to when you have to go to make big decisions? Who are the people in your life that you seek out? So if I could pull them up on stage and I put A here and B here, your top two, who are they? Because I want to tell you something going through your teen years and even in your adult years, you can find someone who will agree with what you think. You'll find someone. I was watching a little something yesterday on, I forget, I saw it on TV or something, but there's a lady. She's a 50-something-year-old white lady, and she has decided she believes she is Filipino, and she wants to be Filipino. She doesn't want to be white, 50 years old anymore. She wants to be Filipino. So she's telling everyone, I'm Filipino. And she's found a couple of people that will join her and say, she's Filipino. 
And I'm sitting here watching going, no, you ain't, woman. You're white and you're 50. Deal with it. (laughs) What are we doing? I believe that when we recognize things about ourselves and we have people who tell us the truth, then we can deal with the issues in our life. We don't need to mask it. We don't have to act like we're some. Hey, God made me. My name is Dan Seaborn. My dad's sitting right here. Him and my mom named me. I am 57 years old. I'm a white male. There are those in this society who would say, naturally just saying that very thing, I got a lot of flaws. I'm white privileged, probably racist, blah, 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 blah. And I would say to you, all I can do is go live a life of being a witness for Jesus. If they choose to say that about me, great. But I know who I really am inside. I know who I am honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that I believe we are all equal and there are none of us who deserve anything more than any other. We're all children of God. That's the way I'm going to live. People can say what they want to say, decide what they want to decide. I know who I am because I'm here to honor Jesus. And I ask you in your life, teenager right now, don't live your life to try to make somebody else happy. You please Jesus. You get people around you who make decisions that help you please Jesus and your life will be in the long run fine. And what I'm telling you today is People are going to watch you. You might not like it, but you are a witness. And I'm challenging you to be a witness, not for yourself, but for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last part of this verse, go to the end there if you will for me, Nick. The last part of this verse, after it says to do the things, get rid of the sins that entangle us, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, each of us have our own race, fixing our eyes on Jesus, that's the key word, Jesus. Don't fix your eyes on me because I'll screw up. Don't fix your eyes on a preacher. They'll mess up. Don't fix your eyes on your parents. They are inconsistent. Don't fix your eyes on a teacher. They'll mess up. It's fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the one who finished the race, set the race, set the example. Follow him. And then run with perseverance. So I was a coach uh, when my kids played basketball in high school and stuff, I would coach the team a little bit with the assistant, you know, the head coach. And I remember when I was doing that, one, like one of my pet peeves, I don't know why it's always been true for me, but I didn't like it when coaches would yell, run another suicide, do another this, do another that, you know, to work out and get in shape. I, I always, it always bothered me when coaches would be overweight or let themselves go and just keep screaming at the kids, run again, run again. And I get, I get you got to get them in shape, but I always felt the coach should run with them. So I would run with my boys. I would run with my daughters. And when they run to suicide, I would run it too. And I would be at the free throw line saying, come on, somebody make a free throw so we don't have to run another one of these things because that's what you do there. It's, it's to get you in shape. I'd be like, somebody, please, I'll give you a dollar to make a free throw. Should have given them $10. Maybe they'd have done it. But it's tiring. And one of the things we did during that time was, was called leg lunges. You might not remember those, so I'm going to take you back. When you're in high school and you're working out, you're staying in shape. These leg lunges where you go down, you dip a knee, just touch the ground, touch, and you keep doing this. And you do it all the way down the court and all the way back. Well, I decided recently that I wanted to start doing this. My wife, Jane, here, she's been going to Fit Body Boot Camp. I call it Fit Booty Boot Camp. So she's got a Fit Booty now. And I was like, I want a Fit Booty too. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to start doing some of these things I did. Well, I'm 57. If I can just share this with you. If you're here in over 50, be very careful when you start doing leg lunges. (laughs) Monday morning will be a long morning for you. 
start by this. Just make sure you can at least get there first and get back up. So I started doing this through my neighborhood. So I'm doing this a lot, okay? I'm doing a good bit of these every day. My dad and I go for a walk around the neighborhood. I do it a lot. And so I'm, I'm out in my neighborhood doing it. And here's what I do. When I decide I want to do some, I will set my eyes on the mailbox I want to get to. Like 60 steps, 60 yards away. Because if I don't fix my eyes out there, I'm going to stop because it hurts. It's not easy. So when I start doing these little lunges, I fix my eyes on the mailbox I want to get to. If I don't look out there, this mailbox right here starts looking pretty good. <laughs> and that's what happens for all of us in our walk with Christ. We all leave a service like this and go, yeah, I am going to run. To, yes, I'm going to run to Jesus. Well, I got a couple things over here. And we get distracted. Then we get entangled. Then we find ourselves off the course, and here's what we say. How did I get here? Teens, fix your eyes on Jesus. Finish the race. And let's see if we can leave our life as a witness for the Lord. Father God, I pray over all of us this morning. We got our nets. We got our entanglers. We got stuff. And today I pray you would remind us you are the great untangler. Over time you will help us remove these things. And I pray that you would help us today to throw them aside and to run toward you. Thank you for this morning, for this chance to be reminded you're an awesome father. Bless the students in this room. May they follow you the rest of their life. We ask this in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. As we wrap up this month's Home Run Club, let me again say just thanks for taking time to listen to these CDs. Thanks for listening today to what I share about teen life and how it applies. These principles apply to all of us. But certainly I hope and pray this applies to some of you who have teens in your home. And if not, pass it along, as I said at the beginning, to encourage others who might be in that spot. Thank you for helping us do this on a regular basis. So many of you, just regular donors to the ministry. I don't take it for granted. I was driving the other day in my car thinking about how many people support us just regularly every month. And so I just want to say thank you. Bless you for that. Bless you for your faithfulness. We are going to seek to continue to make a difference and a mark for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are grateful that you help us do it. God bless you. And I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Home Run Club.